Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion, and this is episode 143. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit like, follow, or subscribe on the platform you're listening to us on. You can also check out my work at the loudest.com on the planet, knac.com, with exclusive hard rock and heavy metal interviews, live show coverage, and more. My guest for this episode is Jonathan Levine of Cyclone Static. The group just released a new EP called Cave Pop, Dance Songs for Primitive People. It's out now through Mint 400 Records. I didn't know a lot about Cyclone Static, so I went right to the source to find out. And here's Jonathan Levine to tell you more about them. If I knew absolutely nothing about Cyclone Static, how would you describe the band's music to me? Uh, I always say that we're punk-influenced punk influenced rock. Somebody just wrote a quote that I thought was called, was kind of cool. They called it punk-infused power pop. That's pretty accurate, I would say. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you kind of reminded me of sort of the post-grunge era sort of punk pop kind of in the vein of Audio Vent or the Eggsies, I think. But I don't... I don't know too many people that know those bands. Oh, I don't know those bands. No, I mean, we're definitely get com- compared to that um, a lot. We were ha- we had a band together, James and I, the singer, um, guitar player, back in the 90s called Dry Water, which is just kind of a continuation of that, but it's just a little bit more it's different. It's more mature. It's probably heavier. Um, so it's just kind of a continuation of that. And yeah, I guess people kind of call it, they, you know, you use, they use the word grunge and it's kind of like, oh, don't say that. But yeah, it's we sound a little bit like that, but we also have a lot of other influences. So um, yeah, it's pretty pro- probably fairly accurate. And Cyclone Static formed in 2016, as you said, kind of in the fragments of dry water from the 90s. Uh, dry water was you and James Salerno, and then you brought in John Mathias in 2016. How did how did the band all come together then? Yeah, um, we actually were playing a, little, a couple of years prior to that. Basically, what happened was um, James and I just started playing together again. We had sort of fallen out of touch, and then uh, we just started getting together and just playing just to see what would happen. And then we started writing songs and all suddenly we had these songs and we're like, okay, we've got songs or a collection of songs and we need a bass player. So then we called John in and John helped us put together an album. And then he actually departed and we had a, we've had a, a rotating bass players as a lot of bands do. And then we recorded uh, our full-length LP that was back in 2019. Uh, and then COVID happened. So then we would play for a while. And then when COVID was done, we called John back and said, hey, man, <laughs> let's record an EP. And so that's what happened. We had these songs and we were just kind of like, okay, Let's pull them together and let's just put out an EP and see what happens. The EP is out now. It came out on July 21st. Cave Pop, Dance Songs for Primitive People. It's out through Mint 400 Records. Are you the main songwriter or does everybody kind of contribute to this? No, I mean, Jane would be the main songwriter. Um, 
Yeah, but it is very collaborative. Uh, sometimes we'll come in with an idea. Other times we'll sort of, the way we write music together, sometimes we'll come in with a, an idea that's fairly fleshed out. A lot of times we just create music when we're in rehearsal. We just get together and we write songs. I come up with a beat or something and we work off of that. It's very organic. And then we just, he figures out the, the vocal vocals as we go, goes back, refines them. And depending who we're working with, John is a really good collaborator. He'll come in with other, you'll notice there's a lot of vocal, um, there's harmonies and melody, you know, that they do like a do, do vocal thing. And um, they'll add some of that stuff and figure that kind of stuff. And so we just kind of mostly created in uh, when we're in rehearsal in our studio space. Um, that's how we create the songs. Do you plan on taking this EP into a full length at some juncture, or are you just going to add singles as you go along? It seems to be the way for a lot of bands today. It's yeah, just- you know, it's interesting because, you know, we did put out a full LP, um, and but the whole industry is different now. So um, the thought was we put another EP out, which could be a four to six song EP. depends how the music comes together. Um, and then maybe at that point, we'll, you know, do, we'll press some vinyl or something, you know? So, uh, but yeah, we're just, it's, it's kind of um, interesting to do, to produce music this way, to put it out in small collections. Um, It's a lot less pressure and it's a little bit more, it's kind of fun. So, you know, I guess that's what we'll do. We'll just see what happens. You know, you see what the response is, et cetera. I mean, obviously it's really great to like work on a full, album but that takes a lot more time and people the way people seemingly listen to music these days is just through streaming services so i don't know that people listen to full albums and well probably you know do i listen to full albums yeah i listen to full albums but i also listen to a lot of playlists you know um is really what i'm listening to most these days if i love a band i'll listen to their full album and i'll listen to it a lot uh, or I'll be listening to them like on a streaming service and I'll be hearing all their albums and I'll get familiar with the whole catalog. Um, but I think a lot of people experience music differently. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, the EP's title, Cave Pop Dance Songs for Primitive People. How did you decide on that? Um, well, basically, uh, when we were making these songs, uh, I kind of felt like these songs were i mean the work the music isn't very we these four songs aren't like a huge departure from what we did before but they felt more primal and primitive and i had been listening to um i listened i like this band a lot called idols do you know this band they're like this band from england that are kind of like sort of a punk rock band sort of um they actually got nominated for a Grammy award, which was surprising. They're just really raw and visceral. And their drummer plays these really minimalist sort of primal beats. Although he's, you know, like a technically trained drummer, it's choices he's made. So I was thinking a lot in that vein when we were, that was influencing me. So when we were playing these, I felt like we were like cavemen. That was like this idea that was going through my head. And, uh, so when we I, we're we're you know we're all kind of equal collaborators and 
James kind of lets me run with ideas and things like this. And I'm like, well, how are we going to, what are we going to do? What is, how are we going to contextualize these four songs? So I was like, oh, we should call this like caveman pop. You know, just, it's kind of a joke, just something funny. And uh, his kids were like, no, you should call it cave pop, like K-pop, you know, like Korean pop. So just, uh, so that was kind of the idea about it. And also um, when we were recording it, I kept feeling like, they were like these, uh, I have a tendency to sort of, um, I'm, I'm kind of a funk drummer, even though we're playing like rock music. And um, I kept feeling they were like dance songs. And I was like, these will be dance songs for cavemen, you know, just like really primal, you know. So that was just kind of like, you know, the idea. And I think, like, yeah, that's kind of funny. Let me, so, you know, it's just a matter of coming up with something fun and funny and, um my friend Orion Landau did the um, design the uh, cover art for it. And he's uh, he used to be the creative director for relapse records. I'm not sure if you're familiar with relapse records. He's a pretty well-known designer, but he's also just a really good friend of mine. And he kind of collaborates with me. So that was the idea. The idea was just to have something fun and people be like, what the hell is that? So if you, you know, these days you're competing with so much, content you know how do you get people's attention so that was my idea behind it i think certainly the album cover is attention grabbing that's kind of what grabbed my attention of it it was different it was unique reminds me of how you know craft beer grabs people's attention you got thousands of craft beer now it's whoever's got the most eye-popping label and oren did a great job on this and he also did your first album as well that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so it was like, oh, let's just, and you know, we just want to have fun with it. So you want a cool graphic, you want cool design and visuals. And I mean, probably, you know, like you, you're probably around the same age as me. Um, we grew up buying vinyl and you're, you would go to the record store and you would go, just go through the bins. I would just, when I was a kid, just for hours, go to the record store and just look and, and you know, that that was probably my first really strong, powerful visual experience is looking at album covers. I'm an art dealer, so like that's what I do for a living. And so that was probably besides comic books, like most kids. Album covers were like it really it was a gateway and you were like you were looking at all these and they, the album covers were just crazy. And you're like, what is this? And I remember just like, you know, back when people really cared about that sort of thing, uh, one of the my favorite rap album covers was um, I think it was it called Captain Fantastic by uh, Elton John. And that album cover was like, I don't, I'm not saying this artist's names, right. Right. Harmonious Bosch. Like it was just the weirdest. There was so much to dig into. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you would just could stare at it. So like, I'm a big uh, fan of that type of thing. And, you know, it's kind of, a little bit of a lost art if you ask me so it's it's making its comeback i mean it vinyl in general making its comeback with the cover art but i think it's i think again it's it's our age group that's that's bringing it back although you know the youth is buying it sometimes just for the art these days are they i don't know you know <laughs> i really don't know it's uh it's it's a mystery to me like the way 
a younger generation is sort of experiencing music. Uh, it's very different than uh, the way we experienced music growing up. You know, obviously, I, we, we would, we're happy to have a younger audience. We're not, we're not like making this music for anyone in particular, you know, um, like a certain age group. Um, so, you know, if you can reach the largest audience possible, that's, that's a good thing. If the kids like you, then, you know, you're doing something right. You got four songs on the EP, boom, boom on the block, real sign. It's okay. Now I, I certainly say boom, boom fills in, uh, fits in with the dance song portion of it. Your other songs still got those catchy beats and primal primal beats that you, you speak about. Do you have a particularly favorite song from this collection? I, I know they're all close to you. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I really do like them all. They're really fun to play, and I like these four songs better than our last album. Um, and I feel like they were producing, they were produced really well. They came out exactly the way I wanted them to sound. Um, we were lucky. And it's hard because I really enjoy playing these songs a lot. But sort of my favorite song, actually, I think is the danciest song, is the last song, which is a little bit different from the other songs. And that's uh, okay now. And the reason why is because I'm playing like a um, James Brown funk beat underneath it. And I didn't, I kind of knew I was doing that. It's kind of had this Brit poppy feel, um, like this 90s kind of Brit pop thing going on, like Beatles bass playing and... Uh, that a lot of those Britpop bands used to like sort of do. And um, there's this dance beat in there. And when we were recording it and they isolated like the bass and the drums, I was like, oh, that's the song. That's the beat that I always, that you hear on. Um, there's a song called Apache by the Sugar Hill Gang, which came, you know, you know, the Sugar Hill Gang and uh, like the first hip hop radio hip hop band. And I was like, but of course it was sampled from like James Brown or somebody like that. I'm not sure, you know, one of these like sixties or seventies, like soul, probably sixties soul groups. And so immediately I was like, Oh, that's kind of like a breakdance song. Um, that's kind of my favorite song. It's the most textured and interesting, um, but they're all really fun to play. That's ultimately like for me, if they're big and loud and like they're, you know, good, they're catchy and good pop songs and they're just like heavy and explosive, then I'm happy. So. Now I saw that Corey Zach uh, recorded and engineered the EP and it was mixed and mastered by Stuart Richardson, but did you guys produce it? Um, I guess I'm not even sure what that means anymore. Um, to be honest with you, we went in and we recorded and engineered it with Corey Zach in Jersey City. And, you know, we obviously have our own ideas and stuff that we brought in. And, for example, like just different vocal layering of vocal, layering of guitar and different accentuations of uh, drums and threw in some like piano into one of the songs um, that was just kind of last minute. And then from there, what happens is... I mean, it's stripped down, right? It's it's not like it's rock and roll, right? It's stripped down. It's I consider us kind of a punk band, but other people might not. But that's kind of how I think of us. And um, 
Then it gets sent off to Stuart Richardson. He knows exactly what it is we're going for because I talked to him about it and he's very, very familiar with the references of how I want it to sound. So basically we just go in and we give him notes and we go back and forth, back and forth. I'm particularly, you know, I'm not the guitar, I'm the drummer and maybe people don't care about the drums, but I really care about the drums and I want them to be very present and I'll just go through and like, can you make it sound like this? Like two albums, like two people I was comparing to at the time was the Bronx and Rocket from the Crypt. I was like, make the drums sound like that. That's the energy I'm trying to get um, for this. Uh, I'm a big fan of Steve Albini and I like big drums. And so that's kind of how we we did it. Like back and forth notes these days, you know, I guess it's self-produced. It's a collaboration between, I would be like, hey, do you think we should put this in, pull this out? We talk to each other, you get some. So it's a collaboration between the engineer and the guy who's mixing it and your bandmates. So there's the, I guess that's the answer. I'm not even sure what producing means anymore. I thought it meant more points on the gross sales of the album. That's what producer meant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, that's how, how, it, how it happened. Uh, Mint 400 Records. Is this your own imprint? Oh, no, this is a label that we're on. It's a North Jersey label um, owned by Neil Stapatino. A lot of bands on this label. Um, what can I say about it? Very eclectic indie label, Mo you know, mostly rock music predominantly. Um, yeah. How did you meet up with Neil to be on this label? Uh, I knew Neil. Neil used to be in a band when we were, this was back in the 90s, called Stick Figure Suicide. Um, so we used to play with his band when we, when my band, when me and James were on Drywater, he would then go on to be in this band called Pensy Prep, which had one of the guys from My Chemical Romance in it. So they had some success. And then he's in a band called, he has a band called Fairmont. So he just started his own label. So when we started, when we got to, started playing, he saw we were playing and he's like, we were basically like, Hey, he was like, Hey, you want to be on the label? And I was like, sure. And that's how that happened. <laughs> you know, we're friends. So that's, that's the story. The new EP is, is for the most part, a digital release. Uh, you have announced that there's going to be some physical copies available. Yeah, We have a CD coming out. We're printing a CD. Uh, we have a record release on August 10th. Um, so we'll have a CD that we're in Landau designed the packaging for, which will be available to, for, for purchase of people. We realize not a lot of people buy CDs, but you want to, some people do, and you want to have something. It's like, do you do that? Do you do a cassette? And we didn't, we're not ready to print vinyl with this because it's a four song EP. So um, we decided not to do that. So that that's pretty much it. But yeah, it's on every streaming service possible. You mentioned the EP release party that's on August 10th at Corgi Spirits in New Jersey. Um, great venue, I think, to have a rock show at a distillery. I'm a big uh, fan of alcohol, as you can see. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's this place called Corgi's. It's a distillery in Jersey City. And it's kind of a cool place because it's in this industrial area. 
But when you go inside, it's like very, it's kind of cool, eclectic, but high end. It's quite large. Cool wallpaper and furniture and cool bar. And um, and they, when it's warm out, they have bands play on the loading dock. And they sort of have this outdoor area. Um, and that show is going to be a lot of fun because we're playing with uh, some, our friends, this band, Holmes Garage Band, we played with for years. And then uh, another band that's playing is, uh, they're called Reader Station. It has uh, Steve Garvey from the Buzzcocks who's playing with us, who's in it. Um, so it should be a fun, a fun show. Yeah. Are you going to play the full EP and some songs from your first studio? Album? Oh, we'll play a full studio. We'll play a full set. Yeah. We'll play the four songs plus a selection of songs from the LP. Yeah. Do you have any future live performance or touring plans? Uh, well, we probably won't tour, although I'd like to. Um, but we, yeah, we play regularly in the tri-state area. We play, you know, Manhattan, Brooklyn, um, Jersey City, Asbury Park, um, Philadelphia. You know, we'll play as far as Boston and and I mean, I'm sorry. Well, we, we play we play as far as Boston and D.C. and uh, Baltimore, maybe even Pittsburgh. So, you know, the tri-state area um, for the most part. Yeah. Mainly local gigs, but you branch out when you can. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we, we, yeah, we we play local gigs. We get on pretty good bills with some pretty good touring bands and things like that as well. So, um, the one thing that's really good about being in the tri-state area is, can say if you say you lived out in the middle of the Midwest, is that, you know, there's so you can there's so many cities you can be in at in five hours. So, yeah, true. I, I interviewed somebody out of Canada, and they're like. Yeah, we could go to another venue on the other side of Canada, but it's like five miles of looking at if it's five hours of looking at nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always <laughs> a big problem. Like I think East Coast, if you live in the Northeast specifically, well, where we live, I think is the best place to be a band because you can hit the north the, the major, you know, populated areas within a five hour radius. Like say you lived in even if you lived in the South, it's not so much like that. Anywhere in the Midwest, it's not like that. If you live on the West Coast, it's the entire West Coast you have to go, you know. So, like, we're kind of spoiled, so we don't really need to necessarily – don't get me wrong, it'd be great to tour, and maybe we will at some point, um, but we don't really need to. You mentioned earlier that you're an art dealer. Uh, I believe the name of your gallery is Jonathan Levine Projects? That's correct. Yeah, I had a, I, I don't own a physical gallery anymore. I did for 18 years. Um, and the gallery was in predominantly, I was in New York City for 12 years. I had it in the Philly area, New York and uh, Jersey City. Um, and now I just work online because I just I closed just before COVID um, because the nature of my business changed. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. I'm an art dealer. <laughs> what kind of art do you deal with is it mainly like print photos is it paintings or a little bit of everything no i predominantly deal in um paintings painters and sculpture a little bit of sculpture and i specialize in what's called pop surrealism as well as street art um i used to represent i don't know how what you, you know how much how what, how familiar you are with uh, visual arts but i used to represent shepherd fairy who did the hope obama poster and he did like the obey clothing line. He's like somebody that people know uh, really easily. 
Um, probably, I, probably a lot of the artists I work with, people might not know their names, but they're like, oh, I've seen their out their work before. It's very prevalent. It's on record covers and things like that. So sort of this pop art that I, I represent. Have you ever gotten into uh, creating art yourself? Um, I do. I, I do have an art degree. So I got two art degrees. So I did used to make art. But I don't do it anymore because not that I won't. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't really have the time for that in the, my commitment. My, my creative commitment is to well, I'm, I'm doing this as a living you know, I'm promoting and marketing and managing other artists, but uh, I'm making music. That's my creative out, output, basically. So you're promoting and, and working with other artists. Do you have a management company? Yeah, that's basically what uh, Jonathan Levine Projects is sort of. It's a combination of what we do is um, I, I manage a few artists. I used to manage more when I had the gallery. Now I just manage a few um and like one artist i work with his name's kum kum fernando uh i have been working a little bit with this is a little, kind of funny um you know heathcliff the comic so if my friend pete draws it he uh inherited it from his uncles they started it and he draws he's been drawing it for like 30 years now so i've been working with him on some projects and stuff as well um but then I also do a lot of what's called secondary market sales, where I resell work for people um, that purchase it and they're looking to resell it. Uh, I do online exhibitions, occasionally pop-up shows. Um, I collaborate in a variety of ways. Sometimes I, I work, I curate museum exhibitions and things like this. Uh, I used to run a very specific business that was just running a gallery and, and that would mean uh, we would do, we'd have like eight exhibition changing over every year and, and sort of managing artists loosely that way. Um, but now I kind of do my creative thing is much more broad and I have less overhead. So I kind of get to do what I want. It's kind of like, oh, the way I approach it, I kind of go like, oh, is this going to be fun to do? Do I want to do this? How much work's involved? And is it going to be lucrative? And so that's how I approach it. And so it's kind of, um, I go, I just jump through, I have a few projects going out on at all, at all times and, but not too much. And I'm fortunate to be at a point in my life that I can do that. Um, so that's kind of what, that's why we call it projects and not gallery because it's just like whatever project I feel like being involved with that makes sense. So it's, it's really fun that way, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, sounds like you're living the dream. And certainly on the music front, you have a great EP out now. It's Cave Pop Dance Songs for Primitive People by Cyclone Static. It's through Mint 400 Records. Those are all the questions I have for you today. I appreciate you coming Thank on the you. podcast. I appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. And thanks for the support. Once again, I want to thank Jonathan Levine of Cyclone Static for coming on the Rock is George podcast. Be sure to check out their latest EP, Cave Pop, Dance Songs for Primitive People, out now through Mint 400 Records. Head over to your favorite music streaming platform. Take a listen to what's available. If you like what you hear, buy a physical copy when it's available. 
support the artist. For all things Cyclone Static, head over to their official Facebook page slash Cyclone Static. I also want to thank David Brenner at EarSplit PR and Mint 400 Records for making this interview possible. You've been great. I've been George Dion. Discover your next favorite artist on the Rock is George podcast.